Hey, guess what? It's time for another bonus episode of Skinnerd Reconsidered. What's better than Skinnerd? Bonus Skinnerd. All right, let's turn it up. From the Florida border up to Nashville, Tennessee, this is Skinnerd Reconsidered, the only podcast where I review every single Leonard Skinnerd song and occasionally take breaks to bring you very special episodes that you never asked for. I have to admit, I've had a lot of fun lately with the bonus episodes, gotten some great feedback from you freebirds out there. You've gotten to know my family. What could be more special than that? I hope you've enjoyed my family as much as I occasionally do. I do think it's about time we get back on track. So I'm working towards a deep dive into the next album, Give Me Back My Bullets, very soon. So this will probably be the last bonus episode. But before we get into Give Me Back My Bullets, I have to bring you an episode that is very near and dear to my heart. Today we're going to talk about a song called Powderfinger by Neil Young and Crazy Horse. This was a song that was written by Neil for Leonard Skinner to record, but they never quite got there. That damn plane crash. I think it's an amazing song that is more than worth listening to for its own artistic merits, but it's made even more interesting if we consider, with a Y, what it would have sounded like had Skinner had the chance to record it. And you're going to get a double shot of song reviews for your money that you don't spend on this free podcast. Two songs. A real two for Tuesday here, assuming you listen to this on a Tuesday. After we listen to Powderfinger, we're going to check out a song that completes the Southern Man Sweet Home Alabama saga. Turns it into a bona fide trilogy. A song written by Patterson Hood of the Drive-By Truckers called Ronnie and Neil. I think it's the perfect ending to this trilogy of songs and Rock's greatest non-feud. Speaking of Patterson Hood, I've referenced the Drive-By Truckers throughout this podcast, and I stated in the very first episode, I believe, that I had very simple goals for this podcast. I am a simple man, after all. First, I wanted my dad to love it. Check. Second, I thought it would be cool if some random strangers out there enjoyed the podcast. Check. And finally, my stretch goal was that the great Patterson Hood, founder and songwriter along with Mike Cooley of a band called Drive-By Truckers, would appear as a guest on this podcast. I never thought that this would be possible, and maybe it's not, Freebirds. But a friend of the show and a new pen pal of mine has made this at least a slightly more likely possibility. This is a guy who I love hearing from. He has fascinating takes on Skinnerd, and he's working on a project that will definitely interest you Freebirds. I won't say what it is yet. I'm gonna wait for his permission, wait for the right time, but I'm definitely intrigued by what he's doing, and you'll hear more on this in the future. The master of the tease right here. But anyway, with his permission, I'm gonna read a slightly abbreviated version of an email that he just sent to Patterson Hood. Dear friend of the podcast wrote, Greetings, sir. Skinnerd Reconsidered has stated as one of its goals besides reconsidering 
the original five album Leonard Skinner oeuvre, is having you, Patterson Hood, make a guest appearance on the podcast. Guest appearance, my words, not his. Below is the first episode, which mentions you. And then he gives a link to the the very first episode of Skinner Reconsidered called I Ain't the One. I think we've come a long way since then. I get why he would send this link, but hopefully we've made improvements since then. Anyway, none of that's in the letter. The email goes on. It's not a letter. It's an email. It goes on to say, I happen to be a longtime pal of Chuck Reese. For those of you who don't know, Chuck Reese is the editor of The Bitter Southerner, which is a great publication that discusses culture of the South. Patterson Hood is a frequent contributor. So Chuck Reese, I'm sure, is a friend of his. So I happen to be a longtime pal of Chuck Reese, so he can vouch for my legitimacy or illegitimacy, depending on which part of the story you prefer, in case you need such in the face of this request. As for the person behind Skinner Reconsidered, who calls himself Simple Man, that's me, I can vouch for this. He has made it through the first three Skinner albums, one song considered per episode, and has remained true to its goal of taking an unencumbered look at the music produced by the group calling itself Leonard Skinner until 1977, a group performing at a different time in a different context from now. The podcast serves also as a tribute to the podcaster's dad, an original Skinner fan who introduced the music to his son during the latter's youth. You have some time to consider this request, which I am making on his behalf for a variety of reasons, but primarily because I've come to be email pals with him, and I believe he's providing a valuable service to some great music and its original progenitors. Thanks for reading this. So that's how you do it, guys. And thank you so much to the man who will be named later for helping us out. But he wrote a direct, well-written missive to Patterson, giving a brief summary of the show and politely asking him for a bit of his time. So the time is now. Our dear friend cracked open the door, and it's time for all of us free birds to barge in. I told you a long time ago I would never ask you for a single cent to listen to this podcast. And that holds true until today. I have not and will not ask you for money. But if you enjoy the podcast, the hours and hours of free entertainment, I beg you to do one thing for me. Please send Patterson Hood an email at info at pattersonhood.com or contact him on Twitter. He's pretty active on there. Or do both if you're feeling especially bold. Tell him why you like the podcast. Ask him to be a guest. I'm looking for maybe 15 to 20 minutes of his time. That would be the ultimate favor to me. And you'll also benefit because you will get to hear the simple man make a complete fool of himself interviewing one of his musical heroes. Just so happens the Drive-By Truckers have a new album coming out Friday, January 31st. I'm not sure when I'll actually put this podcast out, so let's just say January 31st. It's called The Unraveling. It looks to be very political, just so you know. So maybe this is perfect timing. You know he's doing a bunch of interviews right now, so why not one more? Because it's with a completely unqualified interviewer, and it benefits Patterson in no way? But other than that, I see no reason. 
The fact is, this show is basically the podcast version of the Drive-By Truckers album, Southern Rock Opera, which is a concept album about Skinnerd. And it's not all about Skinnerd. There are maybe four or five songs that are directly about Skinnerd. And the other themes are growing up in the South, rock music in general, what it's like to be young. The point is definitely made on the album that Skinnerd's great songs have been overshadowed by the overall story or legend of the band. And believe it or not, I didn't think much about this album when I started this podcast. I came at this podcast from a much different angle that I could maybe describe at a later date. But we clearly ended up at much the same place. So it's almost embarrassing to me now to realize how similar the ideas of this podcast are to the Truckers album. But what are you going to do? This podcast, it's its own thing, right? I've never heard anyone comment that they put on my podcast and mistook it for a Drive-By Truckers album. There's been very little confusion in that realm. All right, the first song of the day is called Powderfinger. It's by Neil Young and Crazy Horse. It's the first song on the second side of Rust Never Sleeps. The first side is all acoustic, and then they kick off the all-electric second side with this one. There's also a solo acoustic version out there of this song, but this is the quintessential version. This is a song that critics love. It's on many best-of lists, and sometimes the critics are right. I think they are here. But I bring this song to you not just because it's great, but because Neil wrote this song and sent a demo tape of it to his friend Ronnie Van Zant to see if they wanted to record it on their next album. Of course, tragically, they never got the chance, thanks to the plane crash in 1977. So instead, this song becomes one of the classic Neil Young songs. If you're confused about Ronnie and Neil being friends, please go back to the Sweet Home Alabama episode where we discuss this in great detail. Or just wait for the Drive-By Trucker song that we'll listen to next, which explains it better than I ever could. But I'm not going to explain it again. This is a bonus episode, Freebirds. It's not Skinner 101 anymore. Basically, the Ronnie and Neil feud was blown way out of context. Skinner and Neil were mutual fans. But yet, I still to this day read online comments dismissing Skinner and using Neil Young to support their argument, because the great Neil Young hated them and put them in their place. So maybe that's why I want to revisit this here. And here's my thing with Neil, personally. I've always respected him, but I've never been a huge fan. Until recently. I'm honestly getting pretty huge into Neil at the moment. This song today is a big reason why. The guy wrote a ton of great songs, and he's a legend for a reason. Still, for context, I thought it might be fun to put together my current ranking of musicians named Neil. So here we go. At number one, we have Neil Finn. Sorry, Neil Young. I'm a huge fan of Neil Finn. What a songwriter. Check him out if you don't know. Crowded House is a lot more than you might think. His solo stuff is beautiful. He's touring with Fleetwood Mac these days. I can't get behind Fleetwood Mac without a very alive and capable Lindsey Buckingham. But if you're going to replace somebody, bringing in Neil Finn and Mike Campbell to replace one dude is pretty solid. 
has to feel pretty good if you're Lindsey Buckingham. All right, number two on my current ranking of musicians named Neil is Neil Young. Number two with a bullet. Coming in at number three, we have Neil Casal, a great guitar player who did some good solo work and was amazing with Ryan Adams and the Cardinals and a couple other bands. He recently committed suicide. Extremely sad, tragic story. R.I.P. Neil. Number four on my list of musicians named Neil is Neil Diamond. At number five, we have Shaquille O'Neal, the famous rapper. And coming in at number six, last place on the list of musicians named Neil that I can think of at the moment without putting much thought into it at all is Vince Neil. He's known for being a mediocre singer and a garbage human being. Okay, maybe I'm being too hard on him. Why don't we consider, with a Y, the facts about Neil, Vince Neil, before we cement Vince Neil's last place finish. Okay, I do know that Vince Neil killed the Hanoi Rocks drummer Razzle Dingley. Yes, that was his name, Razzle Dingley. In a car crash while he was drunk, I say killed. It was, of course, not an intentional act. But Vince was driving drunk. Razzle was in the car with him, and Razzle died. Both occupants of the other car were very seriously injured, sustaining brain damage as a result of the crash. Vince Neal was charged with vehicular manslaughter and driving under the influence of alcohol in connection with the crash. He was very drunk. Shocking, I know. Well, that's certainly a good start, but there are millions of people who still worship him, so there's no way they're all wrong. I do know very well that alcoholism and drug addiction are crippling diseases, and the people who succumb to those should not be considered bad people. I do honestly believe that. And there was no malicious intent here, I'm sure. So I think Vince Neil should be allowed a second chance. Let's get back to the research. In 2003, Motley Crue released a greatest hits compilation called Music to Crash Your Car To, Volume 1. The album cover is a car on fire. I mean, that's pretty cool, I guess. I'm sure Vince was devastated by the death of his passenger and the brain damage sustained by the occupants of the other car. He probably just didn't have the authority to change the album cover or the album title. You know, as the lead singer of one of the most popular bands of the time. Alright, this has intrigued me, so I took a visit down to the courthouse and pulled some further documents on Vince Neil to see what else he's been up to. And it turns out that in 2003, Neil was arrested again after accusations that he assaulted a sex worker at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch by grabbing her around the throat and throwing her against a wall. Fine, a second offense. I'm sure the punishment is about to go to the next level here, right? Look further into these court documents. On April 9th, 2004, Vince Neil pleaded no contest to battery charges and he was sentenced to a 30-day jail suspension, 60 days of anger management, 
and find $1,000 plus court fees of $132. Wow. $1,132 whole dollars. I wonder how one of the most successful no-talent rock musicians of all time came up with that fee. Well, no doubt he will realize it's time to straighten out now. So these documents further reveal that on December 15, 2004, an arrest warrant for misdemeanor assault was issued for Neil after a fight during a show on October 30th where he left a sound man unconscious for 45 minutes. Eh, sound men. The hardest working dudes in the biz, or as I like to call them, suckers who have it coming. In 2007, Neil was arrested for suspicion of DUI in Las Vegas after police spotted him making some erratic moves in his Ferrari. Of course he has a Ferrari. Neil later worked out a deal with prosecutors where he pleaded guilty to reckless driving in exchange for them to drop the DUI charge. Well, that's cool. I'm glad he was able to work out a suspiciously good deal with the prosecutors. Back to the court docs. In June 2010, Neil was arrested on suspicion of drunk driving in Las Vegas after having allegedly smashed a fan's camera. On January 26, 2011, Neil pled guilty to drunk driving and was sentenced to 15 days in the Clark County Jail and 15 days under house arrest. Well, in this case, I feel he should have been acquitted under the What Happens in Vegas Stays in Vegas Act of 2009. In March 2011, Neil was charged with battery and disorderly conduct after an altercation with ex-girlfriend Alicia Jacobs. On August 8, 2011, Neil's trial was rescheduled for November 7th due to an unexplained emergency. Here's the emergency. Vince Neil remembered that he was a rock star. <sighs> In December 2015, Neil, along with some other dumbass, was sued by somebody for fraud over a $500,000 investment towards the Las Vegas Outlaws arena football team. Well, you guys have 80-yard football fields, so don't come in here counting money on our beloved Vince Neil. In 2015, Neil was cited by the East Bay Area of San Francisco for violating the daily water cap of 1,000 gallons at his home in Danville. He was discovered to have wasted over 2,200 gallons a day. He was fined $2 per gallon over the cap, totaling to over $150,000. Well, this one's easy to write off. If you have a golden... <laughs> If you have a golden throat, like the one and only Vincent Neal, of course you're going to need to keep that thing lubricated. I know this seems never-ending, but this is the last one. In April 2016, Neal was charged with misdemeanor battery for assaulting a woman outside the Aria Resort Casino in Las Vegas. This poor woman approached Neal for an autograph when he pulled her to the ground by her hair before Nicolas Cage restrained him. I've tried and tried, Neil. Then you had to go and bring Nicolas Cage into this. 
If Mr. National Treasure himself can't solve this mystery, then you deserve what you get. May you find your home sweet home in hell, Mr. Vincent Middle Name Neal. Wow, I'm sorry, that took a while. We have two songs to listen to. What a rap sheet. And by the way, how does this guy not get canceled? He's still out touring. Everyone's fine with that? Okay. I'm sorry, this might be a long one for you birds, but let's get into Powderfinger. This is very much a story song, which I'm always a sucker for. It's about a young man who's at home, probably in the olden times, probably in the south. His elder family members are away, and all of a sudden there's a very serious threat. He's not sure what to do, but he takes action, and it leads to his tragic death. By Neil Young and Crazy Horse, this is Powderfinger. Look out, Mama. Look out, Mama, there's a white boat coming up the river With a big red beacon and a flag and a man on the rail I think you better call John Cause it don't look like they're here to deliver the man And it's less than a Can't you hear Skinner playing this? The big guitar sound, the southern down-home sounding lyrics. I love the background vocals, really makes it for me in a lot of ways. And the lyrics are amazing. My only semi-criticism of the song are the names of the characters, Big John and Emmy Lou. It sounds a little bit like a Canuck trying to come up with Southern names. But you know what? I wouldn't think that at all if Neil was Southern. Those are legit names, so who cares? The song's great, and get ready for some amazing guitar work by the man himself, Neil Young.
Those lines, red means run, son, numbers add up to nothing, are the subject of a lot of debate amongst Neil Young fans. And I don't know what they mean, but I do know in the first verse, Neil references numbers on the side of the boat that is approaching. There are many theories about this song, and Neil himself says that he doesn't know the meaning, or at least he's never wanted to tell it. Here's what makes the most sense to me. You have a family in the rural south involved in some type of illegal activity, most likely moonshining. The boat approaching is some type of law enforcement. The narrator was always told by his dad to watch out for this scenario. And now it's happening, and our guy has to figure out what to do. Those lines, daddy's rifle in my hand, felt reassuring. It's a little bit sad because he's admitting how scared he is. Doesn't really know what to do, doesn't know what to do with the gun in his hand, but he at least feels a connection to his dad that feels a little bit reassuring to him. Those lyrics are amazing to me. When the first shot hit the dock, I saw it coming. Raised my rifle to my eye. Never stopped to wonder why. Then I saw black and my face splashed in the sky. This entire song, he's feeling apprehensive, nervous, doesn't know what to do. Now he finally can just react. There are shots coming from the boat. So he raises the rifle. Doesn't even wonder why. It doesn't end well for you birds. I think the gun backfired on him and killed him. He really didn't know what he was doing. It's possible he was shot by law enforcement when he raised the rifle. Either way, the last line of this verse is, I saw black and my face splashed in the sky. I call that one of the most compelling lyrical images in rock history. My wife calls it gross. I think we're both right.
That is Powderfinger from Neil Young and Crazy Horse. That last verse is devastating. It's a song told from the perspective of a dead man. I can't think of many other songs like that. Write me and tell me if you can think of some. I've only thought of one other, and that is Long Black Veil, a traditional song that I love. My very favorite version, and one of my favorite songs ever, is by the band. It was written from the perspective of a dead person. If you don't know that one, look it up. But I love the song. I think you can hear how it would sound somewhat if it were recorded by Skinner. A lot of great guitar parts. Neil Young is the perfect example of someone who's maybe not a guitar virtuoso, but knows how to play a guitar solo that sounds amazing and means something. But there would have been a lot of great room for three guitar players, any iteration of Skinner, to stretch out and play on this one. And of course, I think Ronnie would have sung those lyrics very well. For all the reasons that I've previously discussed, I give Powderfinger by Neil Young 4.9 out of 5 Skinnards. Love it. Alright, let's get into our second song for the day. I introduced it earlier. This is Ronnie and Neil by Drive by Truckers. Gives you a great quick summary of the Ronnie and Neil story. Also ties in some very relevant facts from what was happening in the South during the time that both of those songs were recorded. Neil's song, Southern Man, also Alabama. And of course the song, Sweet Home Alabama by Leonard Skinner. This is off their album, Southern Rock Opera, which every Leonard Skinner fan should know, in my opinion. Turn it up, Patterson. This is Ronnie and Neil. So Patterson here is obviously denouncing the awful violence and racism of the South, the horrible, infamous church bombing in Birmingham. But he's also noting that at the same time, there were white studio musicians in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, 
recording with black musicians to create some legendary music. If you haven't heard the Wilson Pickett album that he recorded in Muscle Shoals, you got to check it out. A young Dwayne Allman was on there. Many people say that the version of Hey Jude that Wilson Pickett recorded with Dwayne Allman playing the outro guitar solo was the birth of Southern rock music. And this has to be very personal to Patterson, whose dad was David Hood, bass player for the Swampers, the studio band that played at the historic Fame Studios under Rick Hall, later founded their own competing studio called the Muscle Shoals Sound Studios. And of course, the Swampers were referenced by Ronnie in Sweet Home Alabama. And this all occurred within about 15 miles of where my dad grew up. So I guess it's personal to me too. Sorry, I love those lyrics. Now we get into Leonard Skinnerd. They did come to town. Their first recording session was at the uh, Muscle Shoals Sound Studios with producer Jimmy Johnson. And as Patterson says, they met some real fine people, not no racist pieces of shit. And they wrote a song about it, and that song became a hit. Of course, he's talking about Sweet Home Alabama. It was Skinnerd's time in Muscle Shoals that inspired that song. to me is the perfect conclusion of this trilogy this uh, southern man sweet home alabama and now ronnie and neil saga 
He says, to my way of thinking, us southern men still need both of them around. Of course, a reference not only to a song by Neil Young, but a reference to Ronnie's reference of Southern Man, where he said, Southern Man don't need you around anyhow. Patterson likes them both, just like I do. As far as Neil helping carry Ronnie in his casket to the ground, I don't think that was actually the case. I get the lyric, and it's based on a, uh, a myth. It makes the song more interesting, so I like it. But not only was Neil not present at the funeral of Ronnie Van Zant, I don't think he was even an honorary pallbearer. I haven't been able to determine that 100%, but I don't think that was the case. But again, I get it. I like where you're going with that. drive-by truckers that's Ronnie and Neil I'm gonna be honest it's not even one of my favorite songs by the band I love it certainly one of the most relevant to this podcast but there's no doubt in my mind the band hit their stride with the next two albums Decoration Day and Dirty South and yes Jason Isbell joined the band at that time and was a huge help but I don't think that's why it seems like the natural progression of the band to me So check out those albums if you're interested. They are a great band. I think you might get a lot out of them. On a scale of one to five Skinnards, I will give Ronnie and Neil by Drive-By Truckers 4.5 Skinnards. Great song. Great job of telling the true story of Ronnie and Neil. So we're running long. That's enough. Thanks for listening. And please, reach out to Patterson Hood at info at pattersonhood.com or on Twitter or wherever you think is the best place to reach him. I don't know everything. I know very little, especially about talking to Patterson Hood. So reach out to him however you like. Tell him you like the show. Politely ask him for some time to be a guest. Let's see what happens. It would mean a lot to me and I would be very appreciative. Until later, I must be traveling on. Oh,